Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Sometimes love hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes uh, family hurts. Sometimes marriage hurts. Sometimes friends hurt. Sometimes just life hurts. In fact, if you live long enough, you will inevitably hurt or be hurt and probably hurt someone else intentionally or otherwise. Here's the thing, though. We're not designed to stay there. That's not to be a permanent place for us. That's not to be a place where we live and just accept it and think, well, this is hurt as a part of life. I'll just accept it, live with whatever it brings me, and try and navigate the best I can through it. Uh, many folks find themselves in that place and get stuck there for, as I shared in this week's e-news, for days that turn into decades. And that's never the intended place for us. I want us to see today from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, if you'll turn there and read together with me this text, verses 5 to 12. See what, uh, what the Lord says to us through the Apostle Paul here from 2 Corinthians to the church at Corinth and to us about how to deal with hurt. Verse 5, for when we came to Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, see uh, what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the injured party, but rather that before God, you could see for yourselves how devoted you, to us you are. Four things today I want to glean from this text. The first of which is this, is that hurt is exaggerated in isolation. It's exaggerated in isolation. Look at verses five and six again. When I came to Macedonia and this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. This body of ours, he says, had no rest, Conflicts on the outside, fears within. The enemy will come after you, and he'll often use others to do it, but he will come after you when you're, when you're tired, when you're alone, when you're vulnerable, when you are at your weakest. He knows that. That's exactly when he attacks and comes after us. And sadly, what happens there is that many of us uh, isolate when that happens and, and he attacks us. We isolate instead of congregate. 
we were better off together, as, as I've shared with you a number of times, than we are alone because he comes, comes at us in isolation, wanting us to think, you're the only one here. You're the only one going through this. this is, and all of this is on you. You brought this on yourself. And he's, as, as I said so many times, if he's speaking, he's lying because that's his native tongue is a, is a lie. He feeds us nothing but lies and ne- negativity. Paul mentions here that he is comforted uh, when Titus joins him in verse 6. But he also realizes and recognizes that the source of his comfort is not Titus, but rather God through Titus. That, that the Lord was engaged here in this process of bringing comfort to Paul. Uh, the point is that we need each other and that God can use the simplest of things to help us through a, hurt, a hurtful place. Titus didn't, didn't have to feel the pressure that he, he needed to be the answer to Paul's hurt because Titus was the answer to Paul's hurt. He didn't need to have that or know that. There was no, he didn't, didn't, didn't have to figure out some deeper truth that Paul didn't know yet to say, Here, here's, the, here's the way through this, Paul. All they had to do was show up. Sometimes it's that simple for you and I. If we'll just show up in the middle of someone else's hurt, we don't have to have the answer to the hurt. If we'll just show up in the middle of their hurt and be there for them, be Jesus to them, love, love them in the name of the Lord, sometimes that's all, all it will take. We talked last week about the pressure to be perfect and how we are sometimes stuck in imperfection because of the pressure of that, of that perfectness. And uh, There's a, a good book that Sean and Iker has written called Present Over Perfect. Same idea that's conveyed here in that we don't have to have the answers to someone's hurt. We just have to be present in their hurt and show up in the middle of what's going on with them, walk them through it, and, and, and they us from time to time as well. I, that's why uh, deep, long-lasting, long, long, long-suffering fringe, friendships are vital in a believer's life, and I encourage you to, to have those and seek those and, and be those kinds of friends to other folks. But hurt is exaggerated in isolation. Secondly, hurt should be a temporary state. It should be a temporary state. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. He said, this this is a a pivotal lesson here in this text. <clears throat> from the scripture <clears throat> in that you and I may have had no choice about what hurt us or what brought the hurt on whether something or someone but we do have a choice about how long we stay there that's our choice how long we stay and allow hurt to continue to bruise continue to wound continue to, to poke and prod at us and eat our lunch again whether that is self-induced whether that comes from the outside our choice in staying there is our own and how, how long we're stuck in that hurt. We're in, a, in, in a, a, a culture that propagates victimization uh, to, to, to the nth degree that whatever happens to me and comes into my world, it can't be my fault, can it? It's got to be some, someone else has to be to blame for what I'm walking through and the hurt that I'm experiencing. Uh, you'll see that at, at any crisis, the news is 24-7. Whose fault is it? Where did, where did this originate? Let's get to the source of whose fault it is. Uh, not wanting to admit the fact there's evil in the world and we have an enemy and his name is the devil. His name is Satan, Lucifer. He's roaming about seeking whom he may devour, the scripture says. Uh, We've got to come to grips with the fact that there is evil present and that, and that evil is in us. 
if we don't know Christ as our, as our Savior. But we're in a culture that propagates victimization. We have an enemy that wants to keep us in, in, in the state of being a victim, keep us in the state of being victimized. <clears throat> and Paul is saying here in verse 9 that the hurt, he uses the word sorrow as well, that hurt should have an outcome. And the outcome should not be that we are the victim. The outcome should be repentance. The outcome be, should be a turning uh, uh, a, a, or as necessary forgiveness. I shared with you in the e-news this week about uh, two fractures in my neck when I was playing ball in, in school my sophomore year. The rest of the story is this, as Paul Harvey would say. After I got the foam collar off, after about six weeks, I felt pretty good. But when I went back to the doctor to, to get the collar, for him to say, okay, you can take it off, off uh, you're going about your business. He told me, you need to daily do some stretches to strengthen the, the, neck, the neck muscles in your neck and to, to increase your range of motion. Otherwise, you uh, might throw up this slide. Here's a, this is an x-ray of my neck. That's about probably three years old. And all that white fluffy stuff you see where, where my neck meets my shoulders is scar tissue and, and arthritis. That would not have happened had I done what the doctor told me to do. But I felt pretty good. Didn't feel like I needed to. I was 16 years, 17 years old, invincible. So I didn't need to strength, do any strengthening exercises or extend my range of motion in my neck. Today, I have pain with it about every day because that scar tissue and can turn this way about this far, this way about this far. Some folks can go almost to their shoulder with their my range of motion is, is not near what probably yours is, even if you're older than me. But, uh, and that's because I didn't address it when, it when I needed to address it years ago, and the scar tissue is formed. My point is this. If we allow ourselves to be stuck in hurt, that emotional and mental scar tissue is going to form. And it's hard to get rid of. I wish I had done it back then. It's too late now for me to get rid of the scar tissue in my neck. But it's never too late for us to get rid of the emotional and mental scar tissue we're carrying around by the hurt. That's a choice. Is it hard to get rid of? It is hard to get rid of. It's, it's hard to, there, there's pain involved um, in, in, in breaking through that scar tissue. Anytime after surgery, you're going to have scar tissue. I had some shoulder surgery a couple of years ago. Scar tissue is built up in that as well. And, and I try and keep this, this shoulder that I could never do this with, you know, a couple of years ago, um, keep a full range of motion. Why? Because I, I, I learned the lesson here and I don't want it to happen here again. So that's, sometimes we got to push through the pain to get through the scar tissue, to get through the hurt, to get what's on the other side of the hurt. And that is the lesson. We'll talk about that more in just a minute, but, but we got pushed through, through some pain to get there because hurt is designed to be a temporary place, never permanent. Thirdly, not only is hurt exaggerated in isolation and should be a temporary state, but thirdly, hurt can be used by God for good. It can be used for, by God for good. Look at 10 and 11 again. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves us no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, You've proved yourselves innocent in this matter. See what this godly sorrow, he says there, has produced in you. 
There are lessons in life that only sorrow and only hurt can produce. And there, there are numerous ones, but here, here are probably three quick ones that can come to mind. First is this, is how to recover. We, learn, we can learn significantly how to recover from things by walking through a hurtful place. Second lesson is how to reprioritize. When we find ourselves in a hurtful place, it's, it's healthy to ask, why am I here? What, what do I need to learn from this? And what do I need to reprioritize in my life to keep this from happening again? Allowing this to, to penetrate me so deeply and hurt me for so long. Reprioritize my thinking, my, 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 my decisions, how I process things. The third is we learn how to empathize with someone else in hurt. We talked about that earlier in Titus being not having have the answers to Paul's hurt, but he was the answer. His presence was the answer to Paul's hurt. We learn how to empathize when we've been through hurt and understand what that's like in someone else's life and how to, to best minister to them and be an encouragement to them. We've we got to understand, though, and this is significant, we've got to understand that a sovereign God would never allow something to come into the life of one of his children that he doesn't intend to use for our good and for his glory. Let me say that again. A sovereign God would, ne would never allow anything to come into the life of one of his, ch one of his children that he doesn't intend to use for your good and for his glory, listen to this, these uh, couple of verses from Genesis chapter 50. Joseph talking to his brothers after he had uh, ele been elevated to, to a high position in, in Egypt. His brothers uh, knew that he had the right to put them to death. And here's what Joseph says. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended harm to me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What our enemy, the devil, and what this culture intends to be harm for you and I as believers, God will intend to turn around and make good out of it. And only God can do that. That's an only God thing. But he always intends for the things that hurt us, that bring us harm, that bring us sorrow here, as Paul's speaking about, he intends to flip those on its ear where we see good from it and learn good from it. Now, that's hard to see in the middle of it. It's far easier to see in the, in the rear view than it is through, through the windshield. It's hard to see in the middle those things that God is up to, but he always has designed the things. He's always up to something. Uh, when we're in the pit, what we need in the pit is perspective. Titus brought perspective to Paul. He was outside of Paul's situation and could bring perspective to him that he, that he needed to hear. Again, it's important for you and I to have at least two or three people in our lives that speak truth to us, that can speak honestly to us to say, here's what it is and here's what you're seeing. Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this through a different lens than you. Here's, here's the weight that you're carrying, and here's the weight that it really is to me. That perspective helps us see things from a different, from a, from a different lens, from some, hopefully a godly place. If, it's a, if that friend is a committed believer walking with Jesus and wanting us to do the same as well, we need to surround ourselves with people that give us perspective. Their lens can help us see what we otherwise won't see in, in that from the hurt. And it's not because we're incapable. It's just because the, the enemy has us isolated he has us blinded. He has us jaded from, from a point of view that says, I'm the victim all the time. This is my life. I, be, I better accept it this, this way. Uh, that, that comes from an enemy that has us in the pit. And it, from the pit, we need perspective over and over again. Here's the thing, though, I want you to see from this, this third point, is that we can rest assured that when we're hurting, God is always up to something. When we are hurting, God is always, always up to something. Knock, uh, knock that down in your mind and lock that away because it's always true. Fourthly, though, hurt is exaggerated in isolation. It, sh it should be a temporary state. It can be used by God for good. But fourthly, 
Hurt is always tied to a lesson. Look at verse 12. He says in verse 12, So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did the wrong nor on account of the injured party, but brought, but rather that before God you could see for yourselves how devoted to us you are. That before God you could see this for yourselves, you could learn for yourselves, brought about by the lesson that God is teaching you through this. We can learn to understand and live out this previous point that we talked about, that good can come from hurt, that God, God designs things in our life and allows things in our life for our good and for his glory. When we can get that lesson, it's easier to become, easier to see God's got design to this. He's got a lesson to this. I need to see the lesson. Because if, I, if I know that God's always up to something in my hurt, I'm more eager to see the lesson. If, I, if I'm questioning where did this come from, God, how can you be in this? It's hard for me to see the lesson. And here's the sad part about that. When it's hard for me to see the lesson and I don't understand that God can and, and will do good from this, we tend to find ourselves revisiting that same place of hurt over and over and over again. Allowing ourselves that kind of vulnerability over and over and over again. Why? Because we didn't get the lesson. It's vital that we get the lesson in the middle of the hurtful place. That will cause us from re revisiting that same territory, walking that same ground again and again. Sometimes a lesson can be something simple, as simple as hearing God say, will you just put your trust in me and not in you? It can be as simple as God saying, trust me and not you. Or it can be as complex as God being up to a multi-generational work of himself and of his hand to see that a, a friend, a family member, or perhaps somebody you don't, e don't even know comes to Christ through your hurt, comes to Christ through your pain, comes to know him through this valley that you're walking through. And sometimes that, that work, I, I've seen it, I've seen it uh, permeate four and five generations, be four and five generations deep so that the lesson can, learn, can be learned by the patriarchs or matriarchs hurt. You think, is God that? Yes, he's that detailed. He works through, he weaves himself through situations that sometimes we have to be on the backside of it. Sometimes we'll never see until we get to heaven one of these days. But he, he does work in, in ways that are never designed to make sense to us. But sometimes, as I said earlier, it can be him, him, him speaking to us just as simply to say, will you trust me instead of you? Will you just trust me instead of you? I mean, all me, none you. <laughs> Thank you, but I don't need your help. I can deliver you as quickly as I want to. I can leave you there as long as I want to. I don't need your help. Will you just trust me, all me, and know you? It's hard for, for many of us. It's hard for me. I think I've got answers as good as his sometimes. I've learned some of those lessons the hard way, and I've got the scar tissue to show for it. Um, it's, but but it, it is, it is that, that, that truth is, is constant. Either, uh, but either way, it, it, that, that truth is always tied to a lesson. God is always up to something. As I said a moment ago, if you're in a hurtful place, God is at work. Always. Always at work. You can bank on that. Even if you can't see it, he is always at work in what's going on. We talked about that in week one, about our being stuck in analysis, and God's always up to something there. We talked last week about being stuck in imperfection, and God is always up to something there. He's always up to something in hurt as well. But as we close, I want you to see these, these two observations. One is, is that stuck is a choice that applies to hurt. It's not the fact that you are victimized by stuckness. Go look that up in the dictionary. You're being stuck is a choice you're making to, to continue and live in and carry around and wallow in the hurt that hurt you 
And again, in some cases, it could have been decades ago. But you're choosing to stay stuck in that place. That's a choice you made. Now, even if, if uh, you had no, no choice in getting there, get, in getting to the hurtful place, the, the choice in staying there is yours. The choice in, in playing the blame game is yours. The choice in refusing to see anything else but stuckness is yours. Stuck is a choice, though, that applies to our hurt. But listen to this. Whether our hurt is a nap or a coma has to do with how desperate we are to know the will and ways of God. In essence, how long we stay in, in that hurtful place has to do with how desperate we are to understand the hand of God, see the will of God, know the ways of God. If we understand and see that, that valley, that, that, that hard, hard, hurtful place as a means to a more glorified end in him and a more wise end in us, it'll, it, it, we'll not dread those kinds of places to, to come into our lives again and again. Why? Because we'll see that God's got a design for it. Even if, even if I brought this on myself, even if I'm in a hurtful place because of some stupid decisions I made or things I didn't do, even if this is self-induced, even if I hurt is self-induced, God intends to use it for my good. There's always a lesson in hurt, even if we caused it. So whether we're there, how long we're there, whether it's a nap or a coma, has a lot to do with how desperate we are to see the lesson, to learn from him. Because we don't have to stay stuck there. In fact, he don't want you stuck there because he wants you beyond the stuckness so you can tell the story about the stuckness. The story about how he showed up and brought deliverance, and brought understanding, and brought wisdom that you otherwise would have never seen had you not walked that place. Hurt can be good, but we're not designed to stay there. Let's pray. Father, today will you help us to see by the power of your Holy Spirit and his presence through the word in our hearts and in this room that you never designed for us to live and walk in a hurtful place. In fact, you've designed us to live and walk in victory over those kinds of places, all because of what you've done for us at the cross. <coughs> victory is ours because the tomb is empty today, and we serve and live and know a loving and living God who offers himself to us, his wisdom to us, his lessons to us daily through places that we don't understand sometimes, through places and individuals that have brought hurt into our life and into our world, whether it's been a close relationship a friend, a family member, uh, something that we didn't foresee coming. You brought it into our lives to bring the hurt to where we, we are forced to depend totally on you. And help us to see that you are the vehicle for us moving out of a hurtful place, out of, out of being stuck there. You're the vehicle for that, not ourselves. Help us also to see that it's wise and, and, and helpful and loving and, and divine to invest ourselves into, into the hurts of others around us, just to step in and be present. We don't have to have the answers. Just step in and be present in the middle of their hurt to show them your love and to show them the fact that God's got this. He's big enough. Trust him. There's design to this. He wants you to see something to this. Keep walking ahead. He's going to carry you through this. Would you help us see those things today? Not because we're worthy of seeing them, but because you want us to. Because you want us to see your, your will, your ways to understand and recognize your hand. Such that our being stuck in places becomes a lesson, not for us all, all the time as well, but for others around us and the witness that we have in the middle of a hard place. Say, I know they're hurting. I know what's going on in, in their life and in their heart has bruised them, perhaps deeply, but they're hanging, hanging on to, to their Lord with both hands. 
They're walking with him through this. They're trusting him. Help us to see the power in our witness in the middle of a hurtful place too. And the power that you have through us into the lives of other people and through us back to our total dependence on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.